Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled mompreneur who hits news until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned how to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can learn how to stop picking at your kids' leftover food, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of the to-do list so you go to bed feeling fantastic about your day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman. This is the Healthy Habits for Life show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman, and I'm so glad to have you back for another episode. I have with me today one of my most esteemed colleagues and friend, Lisa Vasile, nurse practitioner and functional medicine practitioner, and we have lots of good info to share, so you're going to want to sit down, take out a pen, take some notes, or if you're driving or out walking, you're going to want to save this episode so that you can go back and really follow up on it. It's going to be a really good one. I know. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm excited. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. So I should let people know that you were here back. You were one of the first guests on the podcast, part of the original launch uh, library. So if you want to learn more about Lisa, before you actually watch or listen to this episode, you should probably go back to episode 11 and you'll hear a whole bunch about Lisa's background, her credentials and kind of functional medicine 101. What is functional medicine? Why is it important to get input from a functional medicine practitioner? How is it different from traditional medicine? And, um, and what are some common problems that people go through um, that lead them to seek the help of a functional medicine practitioner. So all of that and more is in episode 11 from April 25th. So go back and listen to that one first and then come back and, um, and pick up with our part two. So just to tell you a little bit about Lisa. Lisa is, as I mentioned, a nurse practitioner, functional medicine practitioner, She's been in the field for over 30 years, specializing in women's health and reversing chronic conditions and sharing her passion and trying to empower the community to learn more about functional medicine. Lisa has a functional medicine practice with a physician in Massachusetts, and her biggest passion is inspiring, empowering, and educating burnt out practitioners, overwhelmed patients, and dismissed veterans through speaking platforms. So welcome again, Lisa, and let's dive in. Let's dive in. Yeah. So today, um, what I wanted to hear from you about is the topic of supplements, um, vitamins, minerals, kind of the second tier of medical, um, what would you call it? I don't know, medical information that we want to know about ourselves. You know, we are... Uh, we need to be an advocate for our own health. And when we go to the doctor, our doctor might look at things through one lens, but we now, thanks you know, to the fact that there's so much information out there, we really can play a very strong role in learning about our body, understanding our body and advocating for the needs that we have to um, achieve our optimal health. And I think it can be really confusing, you know, it's sure a blessing and a curse that there is so much information about there out there when it comes to vitamins and minerals and supplements and should you take them, should you not? 
And I think it's really hard for the average person to wade through all that information and, and make really the best decisions. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts on the topic today. Well, I'm excited to share. So yes, I would agree with you. So many people are doing their own, which is amazing, empowering research. They're inspired to go find information online, watching social media, podcasts like yours, Instagram stories. I mean, there is some incredible, great resources out there. And there is a lot of focus, especially with those that are seeking health information with macronutrients which for the, those that are listening would be the proteins, the fats, the carbohydrates, potentially calories, uh, but many may not be looking and investing into the idea of micronutrients, which are your vitamins and minerals, right? And of those, which ones are essential, which means our body does not make them, cannot make them, and we require to get them from an outside source, and then our body then hopefully digests, absorbs, and assimilates them into the cellular activity, or... Uh, they are non-essential, which means that our body can make them. Uh, and so it's, it's important to know whether or not, not only we're getting them, uh, and many, many health conditions are underlyingly suboptimally supported or potentially worsened by not having optimal nutrient levels, whether those be vitamins, minerals, or the macronutrients. And some of that has to do with the fact that the diet for some people, unfortunately, is that either they can't access good food or they aren't eating it because it's maybe not as easy to, to eat harder, you know, a little bit more nutritious food or their body just isn't real good uh, at digestion uh, and optimizing that absorption and assimilation piece. So it's not just what we eat, right? It's what we can digest, absorb and assimilate into our cells and into our tissues and we know that 50% of the population is suffering with IBS. So if you've got IBS or in that can, that category, I kind of put into digestive issues. So that might be burping a lot. That might be having bloating pretty much daily. That might be having belly aches, constipation, diarrhea, or both. That might be, I don't have any of that. But then when I ask a patient how often they have a bowel movement and they say twice a week, but that's normal for me. That might be normal for that person, but that is suboptimally digesting nutrients uh, and really highly um, adding in some toxicity. So we need to make sure that we're balancing a, a daily bowel movement easily, should take less than five, 10 minutes. It should feel complete. Uh, it should be one piece and it should not float um, and it should not be liquid. So I just love to talk about poop. Poop. <laughs> and we should not see what we ate in the food, corn doesn't count. Um, so it's one of those things where many people look, they may not admit it, but if you're not doing any of those things, um, heartburn is another one. Many, many people are taking something over the counter or a prescription for heartburn, and that automatically depletes any and all nutrients and, and suboptimal uh, absorption of proteins and those kind of things. And so, yes, I'm excited to talk about ways that the patient and, and your, your listeners can empower themselves um, to, to access good resources and to know maybe what to ask for. Yeah. All right. So that's a great place to start. So, um, you know, keeping in mind, well, maybe we should address this first. So, you know, you as a medical profession are, are gifting as med medical professional are gifting us with so much of your wisdom, but, um, 
can you just say a little bit about where do you want your the listeners to go? You know, after hearing, if they're intrigued about something from from um, this podcast today, um, you know, we are we can't possibly give direct medical advice. To, no, definitely not. So where and, and, and what want- we're talking about is very global, very wide. Definitely not individualized by a, by a unique um, direction. And or, and or recommendations. It's more, here's some information to inspire and educate. And you can ask your practitioner, you can resource uh, someone like a functional medicine practitioner that might be able to guide them further. Uh, definitely open-minded practitioners. Some of them, it's not that they're not open-minded, but they don't have time uh, in their practice to be able to sit down and have these kind con- of conversations. So Definitely do not take it as I'm prescribing or recommending anything at all. Just more, just information. Yeah. Information, education, and then take that and think about how it might be relevant for you, the listener, and then seek more um, partnership, whether it's with your primary care physician or a functional medicine practitioner or nutritionist or someone else who can be part of your your professional team. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So where would you like to begin? Well, we can begin with... uh, the old adage um, and the controversy you and I had talked a little bit offline about multivitamins themselves or supplementation. There is a fairly um, two buckets of theory, and I, I sit in the kind of in the middle of every bucket. <laughs> so I don't believe that uh, functional medicine is the only way, and I don't believe that acute medicine is the only way, and I don't believe that primary care and allopathic and integrative should be separated. I feel like it should be this wonderful collaboration of the two. And I sit in the same boat when it comes to supplementation. I do not think that everybody in the world should take a multivitamin. I do think that they should be consuming um, a minimum six to seven. I like to say up to 10 colorful nutrients in a rainbow per day, if possible, Uh, that's going to give them more than anything that a multivitamin could offer. You know, I think the, there was there was some study that came out that broccoli, just you know, a bunch of broccoli on a plate is going to offer you more than six times more than a multivitamin. So wow. certainly, if we're if we're if we're looking at food as medicine, right? Number one, but number two, um, it isn't true that all supplements and vitamins are expensive urine, which is what you know this study came out recently. I will say that there are a lot of supplements and and vitamins on the market that are full of ingredients that we don't wish to put in our body or that are hindering our body's ability to do that absorption and assimilation piece or they're poorer quality and our body doesn't really know how to use it. So it takes a lot more work to use it. So you might be getting 10% of what the bottle actually says. I'm not saying it's not in there, but you know, so B12 is a really good example. We'll talk about this a little bit further in the, in the podcast, but most B12 on the market is sold as cobalamin. And for many people that can be difficult to uh, activate because it's the active form is in methylcobalamin or a adeno, A-D-E-N-O cobalamin. And so the cheaper version just doesn't give us as much if we don't know how to convert that. Mm. Um, so, th- and uh, looking at the actual active versus inactive ingredients. So there's a lot of in- inactive ingredients that can just be kind of crap. So for instance, I had somebody come in with the D3 supplement one time and it had three different food colorings that we really get, if we can avoid that, we would love rather, um, you know, just quality, right? So I wouldn't say uh, not to go to one of the big chains, but typically the bigger chains have the cheaper supplements. So I tend to go to higher quality 
And we use in our company, uh, we use Fullscript, F-U-L-S-C-R-I-P-T, which is an online apothecary of really high-end nutraceuticals, which is supplement companies. Um, and then you can also go on companies like Vitacost, uh, other companies like um, Whole Foods would be uh, higher quality. Hello, friends. It's Carol Perlman coming on to say hello. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you've been enjoying these episodes as much as I've enjoyed creating them for you. I wanted to make sure you knew about a special program that is currently being offered on my website. If you go to www.healthy4lifebycarolperlman.com, you'll see more information about my current time management classes. If you follow me on social media, if you listen to my podcast, you know that I believe time management is behind almost every single one of your goals. And the more you can perfect your skills in time management, the more successful you're going to be in reaching your goals. I have created what I believe is a really outstanding class. I've been studying time management for years. I've been perfecting my own system and I've been teaching others for almost 15 years now. I created an online course, a 21 day habit formation course that is now available to you. They, quote unquote, they say it takes 21 days to create a new habit. And I find that that is often time the case. So go look on the website, healthy for life by carolperlman.com and you will see current offerings. I have several different time management classes for specific audiences, but the general one is just, it's about time, time management class. You'll see all the details there. You'll see the upcoming start date and there's always the opportunity to buy the workbook and complete the course as a self-paced course and take it at your own speed. It's one exercise a day. All you need to commit is 10, maybe 15 minutes a day. Step-by-step, you will create new habits that last a lifetime for better time management. Check it out, and I hope to see you in one of the classes. Thanks again for listening. I've also heard something about ordering um, supplements on Amazon and how you can't necessarily trust, not to bash Amazon, but how you can't necessarily trust what you're getting. Yeah, you're not bashing Amazon. You're, you're, you're stating a truth in that there is studies that come out that show depending upon where it's coming from. So if I was going to order something on Amazon, which I have in the past, if I need something pretty quickly, I always look at who the seller is. If it's the company itself, then that's fine. But if it's Joe Schmo, whatever, um, or a spa in Georgia, I don't know that that's really the case or that they're uh, maintaining their supplements in appropriate care. They can, there has been some research that has shown published that they were changing dates and that the actual quality of what was in that bottle wasn't the same as what would be coming from a company. So I would just be careful as to what the seller is on that, on that platform. Okay. That's good to know. All right. So for the person who's maybe just starting out and, you know, really just opening their eyes to say, well, maybe this is something I should think about. Are there certain vitamins and minerals or micronutrients that you think are like the big hitters that you really want to start thinking about? Yeah. yeah. So um, if we start with chronic disease and, and health in, in, in and of itself, and your listeners are listening because they're, they're wanting better energy, better focus, better mood, better health, right? So if you're looking at the top five uh, chronic diseases in, in, in the United States anyway, uh, is heart disease, which includes car, um, strokes, uh, cancer, diabetes, lung and kidney disease, and then mental health. Okay. So if you get those five top and you think that 
six out of 10 people, adults have a chronic disease and four out of 10 have more than two. Uh, We're looking at, okay, if we can see how food and nutrients actually support lowering trajectory of that disease or lowering how severe the disease is and or reversing or preventing would be pretty cool, right? Yeah. So when you're looking at uh, the top four nutrient deficiencies and or suboptimal, which when I mention it that way, it's it's one of those things where you had mentioned uh, practitioners doing, uh, say, lab work. Um, in the traditional role, the lab work is not bad. It's just, it's, it is meant to find things that are overtly in a disease state. So they have declared themselves out of the norm in a level that is potentially going to cause something bad to happen in the body or, or increase a disease. So what we're doing in functional medicine is saying, of course, we're looking at those things for sure, but what else might be at play that's under that iceberg down lower that might be sort of simmering that after a few years, or for that matter, if there's a bunch of those is causing a symptom that may not be declared as a disease. So those top four are magnesium, B12, D3, and, um, and iron. The top is D3, then magnesium, then B12, iron. And then I always add a fifth of omegas. And then I always add a sixth of joy, passion, and purpose. <laughs> so not something you can buy on Amazon. No, definitely not. <laughs> All right. So let's start from the top D3. So tell us why that is important. So D3 um, is hugely important. A lot of people know it for bone, I think. Many people know it for bone. And, um, but what they don't realize is that it, it actually is, is supportive of bone, but it has huge power with immune system, cancer prevention. I mean, I'm not saying you take it, you won't get cancer. I'm saying that it, it re- really reduces the uh, statistic in a cancer and helps to support cancer treatment. It is huge for uh, what we would call in traditional medicine intestinal permeability or in in the layman's term, leaky gut. So if someone's D3 is lower, their gut junctions sort of are a little bit more lax. We think of it as a hairband that holds those junctions really tight together so that that leaky gut is not as easy. Um, It's huge for wound healing. It supports neurotransmitters, which is, of course, energy, focus, mental health glucose and insulin. So when we're looking at prediabetes, diabetes, obesity, uh, the belly, migraines as well. And so what we see in traditional medicine is that there are some practitioners testing it and some are saying it's a little low and some are saying take a little bit of, of, of a nutrient. So I'll share with you that D3 is a, is a hormone and the way that we humans absorb it is by get the sun on the skin. It has to have a pretty good amount of the skin showing at least 30 minutes, 20, 20 minutes in a good day, you know, pretty much midday, which a lot of us don't want to do because we're protecting our skin from uh, cancer. And it takes a good 30 minutes to an hour for that to convert. So that hormone has to convert so that we can metabolize it as D3 from the sun. And you can't shower you can't jump in a pool. 
you can't be wearing sunscreen or that hinders that conversion. So most of us really aren't doing that. Therefore, obvious why we're low, right? So then a, a doctor, a practitioner, nurse practitioner, PA will say, oh, your, your D3 is low. Let me give you a prescription. Not against it. The prescriptions are 99% of them are D2. And again, we have to have the genetics in order to convert D2 to D3 in our body. That's what we use as D3, not D2. So hopefully that person, most of us do have it, but some of us do not. They take this 50,000 unit. It is fat soluble. So taking 50,000 units once a week is not, is not wrong because as long as you're taking with, with food, it should absorb and most of us can convert it. Uh, but it takes a good two to three months up to four months to really move that number. So say somebody was optimal is 40 to 60. Say somebody was 28 or even 15 or nine or the last person this week, I had one that was four. So we get, up, we get up to three to four months and the doctor tests it again. Well, then they'll say, great, you look good. The nurse practitioner says your, your, your lab level is now 35. You're super, um, you know, see you next year. Unfortunately, that's then leaving that body that was just supporting enough to get to that point of passing 34 because 30 to 100 is normal in that range. And then there's no guidance as to how do I support this from moving forward. So they either stop taking it entirely or they drop down to say one or 2000 a day, which might support them, but many people need a little bit more than that. And then there's no further evaluation or they took that $50,000 uh, unit there because it's usually eight weeks. They took that on a Sunday and they had their blood tested on a Wednesday. So what they're testing is what the body's absorbing through that dose. So when we test, we say, don't take anything with any B vitamins, especially biotin, any vitamin D. Um, those are the two big biggies for at least seven days prior to having any lab work done. Interesting. Yeah. So you're not testing your supplement, you're testing you. So for those people, the other issue that we have is that we know that vitamin D supplementation, especially at high doses like that, actually drives magnesium lower. And so they don't feel better because their low magnesium now has been driven lower. So we always optimize magnesium first, have them take magnesium for two to three weeks, then boost them with a little bit of D. Now, I wouldn't be able to say that to everybody on this podcast, because if someone has kidney disease, you don't want to be taking high doses of magnesium. But even sitting in an Epsom salt bath every day for 15 minutes or every, every, every other day will help. So we're looking at... I have a question for you. Um, so what about prescribing, because um, vitamin D is fat soluble, what about taking that with um, a healthy fat? Yeah, like vitamin K. That's what I was recommending. Oh, vitamin K. So, the, yeah. so you do want to take any fat soluble with, with a food, if hopefully it has some fat in the food, but with fat, fats is the best, handful of nuts, avocado, that kind of thing. If you're going to take high dose vitamin, K, uh, vitamin D for eight weeks like they do, that's probably okay. And don't, you don't need to do the K2 also, but if we're going to prescribe it, we don't typically prescribe it that way. We prescribe it if you want to take it that way, but we do it a little bit longer term, especially because we're following our patients maybe every four months with the D level until we know that they're steady. That person will need to take two. And the reason for that is because when you're pulling, when you're taking high dose D3 on a regular basis and anything over three to 4,000 is what we consider high dose you're potentially pulling calcium into the cardiovascular system, into the vessels, which increases the risk of that cardiovascular disease, hardening our arteries and kidney 
uh, stones. And so we would recommend K2 to prevent that. Got it. And usually they are, they're paired together. So you, most people can, can take them so that they're paired together as opposed to taking two supplements. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's a great coverage of D3, I think. So what else do we want to know about magnesium? You were, t- you were saying that, that sometimes you want to address that first, but what does magnesium do for us? Oh, it's got 300 di- different enzyme activities in the body. So it's one of the major players and also one of the ones that's highly um, affected by what we do or don't do in our, in our life. And so high, high cons- consumption of sugar and alcohol, high exercise, even though it's good for us, can also depletes magnesium. Stress depletes magnesium. So anything that we've done in the last 18 months during COVID has, no, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, the fizzy drinks that we drink and then also high dose um, vitamin D. So those things can actually deplete magnesium. So it's important that we recognize that. Um, magnesium uh, is important and necessary for appropriate heart rhythm so that you're not having either palpitations or irregular rhythms, blood sugar, metabolism, insulin, uh, getting into the cell and allowing opening the cell, allowing glucose into the cell. So you don't have high insulin or high glucose. It allows for uh, support of the bones because it's not just calcium that people have to focus on with bone, making the bone and reducing losing bone, which we call osteopenia osteoporosis. It is calcium D3, magnesium, and K2, which you already mentioned. We also need it for blood pressure, not just the rhythm, but also how, you know, supporting, um, keeping blood pressure at a lower level. And restless leg syndrome, people with restless leg, it affects the gut. Many people that have slow motility or constipation also have uh, depleted magnesium or low levels. Heartburn, same exact thing. And so when you're looking at I have a patient come in, they can't sleep, they can't poop, they have restless leg syndrome, they're super anxious and they're constipated, I already said constipation, high blood pressure. I'm like, okay, you need magnesium. Let's start with that first. We'll do some testing. Let's see what happens in the next two weeks while waiting for that testing come back. They'll come back and they're they're 50% better or 30% better. And so looking at food uh, with magnesium, I like to go food first. I didn't touch on that with D. A lot of the egg yolk um, and a lot of the um, like cod liver oil and, and, and fatty fish have D3. And with magnesium, um, same, fatty fish, uh, bananas, bone broth, nuts, seeds, sea vegetables, pumpkin seeds, and legumes. All right. And for testing D3... You can test vitamin D3, hydroxy 25, testing magnesium. We prefer an RBC magnesium, red blood cell, which looks at two to three months versus what you ate yesterday. So if you ate a bunch of pumpkin seeds yesterday, that level will look, or if you took a dose yesterday in your serum blood, it will look a little high. So RBC magnesium is what we test. And I already referenced D3. Optimal would be 40 to 60. RBC magnesium optimal would be over five and a half. Which is important to know because as we mentioned on the episode, uh, on the first episode, that there are these ranges when you get blood work done and it it kind of 
prints out these ranges, these quote unquote normal ranges. Mm -hmm. And just because you fall within that normal range and don't get flagged by your PCP, it doesn't mean that your um, macro micronutrients are, or micronutrients anyway, are um, at an optimal level. Right. It, it may not even be that they're, yeah, they might be suboptimally in the range. So, you know, if we came, if our kids came home, we, we kind of talked about this. If our kids came home, B12 is the next one we were going to talk about. So the normal for B12 is 190 to 1100. And so that's a fairly ridiculous range. So if someone, if my kid came home with a B12 uh, grade of 190 or little low. It I think I told you this on, on one podcast at one point that my daughter, I called up for the actual level and the nurse practitioner said it was normal. And I, and I said, well, can I just have the levels? I'm a nurse practitioner. I kind of want to know what it is. And her level was 188. And I said, well, that's actually not normal. And she said, well, it's just below the level. And I'm like, that is completely deficient. <sighs> like it's, it's literally deficient, but it's also way low in the reference range, right? So if you have a D, say you have a D3 of 30, um, RBC magnesium of that reference range is depending upon the lab between four and six and a half. Um, say that was 4.1. And then your B12 B was 190. You're, you're suboptimally in many nutrients. So we don't just say here, take all these nutrients. We say, what's going on with your gut? Why is your body not taking the good food that you're eating and taking that, digesting it, absorbing it, and assimilating? We need to find out what's going on with your ability to do that and fix that also. Yeah, that makes so much sense. That just makes me so mad, that story about your daughter. It's like, that is what's wrong with the system here. But anyway, okay, so anything else? So B12. Um, so B12, if we yeah. jump into that, um, people want to know, well, what, what exactly does it do? So B12, uh, most people will know that that comes from the easiest and, and, and most efficient way to get it is through animal products. So it is very... Um, it's possible, but harder to get when somebody is vegetarian or vegan. And so especially vegan, I, I do recommend, and, and most vegans will agree, that, that a B12 supplement is, is a, a supportive of optimal health um, because it can affect nerves, neurotransmitters, mood, uh, looking at the actual brain function and, and um, size. Uh, we've seen that B12 can actually have uh, call, call, cause what we call atrophy. Um, increases the risk of prolonged, increases the risk of mental confusion, dementia. Um, looking at um, anemias, it can be a driver for anemia. It also actually does support bone density. Macular degeneration. So we have, see a lot of uh, diabetics become macular, have macular degeneration and we're like, oh, it must be the diabetes. Well, potentially it is the insulin, right? And the blood sugar being too high, but it's also because many of the drugs that you treat diabetes with also deplete B12. So it is one of these things that we know is now a connection, um, energy focus. And then there's something called homocysteine, which increases the risk of cardiovascular disease. It's a, it's a uh, inflammatory marker that we test. And um, that many times is modulated by inefficient ability to process B12. So we may supersede that with too much B12 to kind of fill the strainer, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Um... Let me think. Anything else we want to say about B12? Really important. That's quite a range. And um, and how about- I would say testing it. So B12, you can test in the blood. Serum B12 is not is a good marker. Uh, again, it's kind of a crazy range. But again, you want to stop any supplementation for at least a week before. Uh, if, if I'm concerned about B12, I actually look for something called a methylmalonic acid. M-E-T-H-Y-M-E-L-O-N-I-C acid. 
MMA for short. And that test is about $120. Um, again, I'm going to share with the with your uh, listeners that you can test, you can order your own labs. There's a, a lab called Ulta Labs, U-L-T-L, U-L-T-A Labs. It's a lab, not makeup. Um, and so you're so you go online and you can be, you can be your own consumer, your own uh, order your own labs, and um, they're at cost, so they're not as expensive as if you went to Quest and paid for them there. Uh, there's an Ulta Labs practitioner who covers the thing, but they don't guide, right? They give you the result and then you're on your own. So th- there is a little bit of a um, double-edged sword with that when I'm sharing with patients, just because I don't want them self-medicating, of course. So, but if a, if a practitioner won't and, or doesn't have the ability, because some people are restricted and hand-tied to what they can order uh, in these umbrella uh, uh, traditional practices. So you can order an MMA for about 120 bucks. So that, so if an MMA is out of range, meaning that if it's too high, that means somebody is deficient in B12 or is not assimilating into the cells. And that's a cellular level for B12. And then B12 itself, I just told you, I'd want it in the higher reference range, somewhere over five, 600. And um, as far as foods, other foods would be eggs, uh, nutritional yeast for those that are vegan. And um, I had a, I had a patient come in. She had really, you know, a lot of moody issues, a lot of energy issues, focus issues. She had cracks in the size of her her uh, cheek, her um, excuse me, mouth. Really terrible nails. Um, every now and then, sores on her mouth. I knew something was going on with her gut. We talked about that. Um, but I tested her B12 and her MMA, and she was well out of range. Just even just giving her that, she was twenty percent better within like six weeks. So amazing. It's just not something that's intuitive for the practitioner that's traditionally trained, which is a bummer because they just don't have that in their toolbox. Right. Which is what you're trying to change. (laughs) Oh, and the only other thing is those people that are taking those PPIs, those Zantax, Omeprazole, um, Pepsid, that depletes B12 as well. Mm -hmm. So I had mentioned the diabetes drug metformin. That's Mm -hmm. a big one, but the PPIs are another one. So those people that are taking that on a regular basis, without a doubt, have a low B12. And that's why you're, you know, what's so important is to look at the whole big picture, you know, where when you move one part, it can have an impact on another part. You got to look at it all together. Sure. Yeah. All right. Moving on to iron. Iron. So um, iron, many people know of is something that, oh, I'm, it's, I'm not anemic or I am anemic, right? So they're looking typically for that. They're looking at a, a hemoglobin and a hematocrit, which comes in the tip of, in the standard complete blood count, CBC. Absolutely. First line, go for it. That's an easy way to find it. Many people are, if their hemoglobin and hematocrit are low or their H and H is low, without a doubt, their anemias, ferritin, and those kind of iron stores are also low. And so what we're looking at is not just the H and H, we're also looking at the iron, the total iron. What is the actual uh, iron stores? What, what does it look like for the for the what we call the total iron capacity, binding capacity. In other words, if you were going to go and plug in your iPhone, but there all of the all of the plugs were taken with some all the other things that were plugged into all the other appliances, you wouldn't have anywhere to plug in. That's the binding capacity. We want to make sure there's room for that. And then ferritin, which is the iron stores. So I've had normal H and H's, but I've checked a ferritin. Normal ferritin is over 17, but really we want it up around 50, 70. Um, that's for, you know, any dermatologist that has a, someone come in with 
losing hair during in, in alopecia, they'll check out H uh, ferritin. And if it's under 70, they'll, that's, they'll immediately say that's what's causing it. So we know that it affects hair and nails, um, but also back to things like headaches and restless leg syndrome and insomnia. And it's a huge driver for hypothyroid. So with hypothyroid, we require uh, iron for conversion of all of these nutrients from T4 to T3 that we use. And so being able to drive, I feel like I have hypothyroid, I have hair loss, I have nail issues, I'm exhausted, I can't think straight, gaining weight, you know, whatever it might be. And then they check the thyroid, it's normal. Usually they're just checking the TSH. So we'll check all of the thyroid hormones, but we'll also look at the A, the D, the zinc, the magnesium, things that drive that conversion piece. So interesting. Okay. Um, and so where do you get iron in foods? Oh, um, avocado, uh, broccoli, any of the green leafy vegetables. Uh, and then of course, if you, if you're a meat eater, any of the things that walk or fly, uh, eggs, <laughs> um, swim, um, the nuts, seeds, berries. Okay. Have you ever heard the acronym G bombs? No. So I have a, I write it down. Yeah, I have a friend. I'll send you some information. I have a friend who's going through a nutrition training course and she is sharing all sorts of wonderful information with me. And so she shared with me and I have a great graphic that I that I can give you. Um, G-bombs. So green. I'm going to see if I can get it right. Greens, berries, onions, mushrooms, um, beans and seeds like the power power foods. Very and that's cool. all, all that you're mentioning here today. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, okay, so that's iron. So let's move on to the omegas. So yeah, so omegas basically, we, I mean, unfortunately, that you can get them in some seeds and nuts. Uh, for the most part, that's a that's a easiest and most efficient way to get it would be through anything from the ocean, right? So anything that swims, especially the fatty ones. I would pre- precaution that by saying that um, if you're a everyday tuna eater, because it's light and um has some protein and it doesn't have a lot of fat that i worry about the toxicity of mercury and that right so i i prefer the fattier fish that are not the giant fish so that we're not getting the mackerels the tunas are the things that are higher in mercury especially if you're consuming them on a high basis swordfish on a, on a regular basis so iron uh, i mean excuse me omegas are huge for the eyes brain health, not, not just brain health as in mood and energy and focus and, um, uh, being able to attention because that's a huge one with my ADHD teenagers. I, I, I go right into the omegas. I go right into bees, that kind of thing to make sure that the brain has that support, but also blood pressure and, um, energy and and back to that dementia piece, that, that whole mental capacity cognition and actually asthma, kids, asthma. Believe it or not. Yeah. And then autoimmunity, ADHD, things like that. We also use that as a modulator for insulin resistance. So that's supportive as well as magnesium uh, to break down some of that insulin resistance. And um, obviously we're getting that through fishy foods. If you were going to get a supplement for that, I typically would go with a company that tests for mercury. I, I I'm not saying one company or the other, but I do like the Nordic Natural brands. They they are a very clean brand. Not that thanks to your recommendation, thank you. <laughs> um, so just backing up for a minute. So the fatty fish. So with fish, you have to watch out for the mercury. So which ones do you like instead? 
halibut. Oh, salmon is the easiest. Um, and then the halibuts are really great. Let me just, I was the just asking. Would you count sea bass as one of those fatty fishes? No, yes. Yes. And it doesn't, it's a lower, it does not. It's the big, it's not those big, big, huge fish that really are loaded. Okay. The ground ones are less because they are not getting as much. Yeah. So if I look at and this little out. graphic here, so the ones that are the lowest, looking it up as we talk, um, bluefish, lobster, rockfish. Oh, no, those are the highest, excuse me. Bluefish, lobster, rockfish, sablefish, tuna, marlin, swordfish, and then the easiest are the salmon, mullet, herring. Yeah, so probably, the, what was the last one? Pollock. Pollock, okay. Yeah, I think salmon is probably the one that's most common. You know, it's it's accessible. It's, um, you know, most people like it. It's mm -hmm. the most mainstream. Paddock is a little bit easier to tolerate if somebody doesn't like that, you know, the fishier. You know, yeah. It's a little more chickeny tasting. Yeah. Okay. All right. And you can test all of these. So I've mentioned all of those. So what I did what, prior to our call today, our... Um, you and I are talking, but they're, they're just listening. The, uh, that Ulta labs that I mentioned, and again, I don't make a dime from this, so I'm yeah. not marketing them. There are, there are three or four companies that are out there that, that consumers can go on without a doctor's order and order their own. We're, we're familiar with that company just because we have an account with them in our business. Uh, but the, um, there are many out there. So search it, Google it, find your own. Uh, there are a couple states that don't allow for uh, these kind of self-testing. Specifically speaking, uh, I know Rhode Island and New York are two of them, believe New Jersey is another. So I went on and did my own sort of panel as a consumer, not as a practitioner. And the panel that I referenced just of these five or six things was about two, 300 bucks. So it's not, it's kind of, it's not cheap, but it's also not a ton, especially if you have like a flex spending account. Yeah. Can, yeah. That's a great point. That really is doable. And that is my, that money is so worth investing in your health. You're going to go buy a $200 bag or, you know, go out to dinner or whatever. That $200 is so worth investing in your health. Right. And for people that have, like myself, a really high deductible. So my husband and I have a $2,000 deductible per person per year. So if you're a healthier person and, and you're not getting treatments for chronic conditions, uh, knock on wood, right? Or thankfully nothing on a regular basis that I have to get seen, we're not going to hit that ever. So if we even go with the panel that the regular doctor sends, which is typically that complete blood, blood count, a basic metabolic panel, they might do a D, they might do a testosterone for him or, or a D for me or something like that. Um, it's going to cost us from our, with our insurance, we have to pay everything up front first at a regular lab. Mm -hmm. That's going to cost us about five, 600 bucks. So we're never getting towards that. So if I, you know, go in as a practitioner and get the discount for my husband and I, that we're going to spend about the same, but I can get three times the labs through these discount labs online. Oh, that's great. Using flex, flex spending. Yeah, that's so good to know. And um, I just really want to give a plug to how important it is to be an advocate for your health and ask, you know, your doctors, they're looking for so many things, your traditional PCPs, I should say, you know, they're wonderful, but they're covering so many different um, 
areas and they are so limited in time that we really need to advocate for uncovering all the rocks that that are important and making sure we're looking at them and monitoring and testing and and then taking and, and, and also not believing the adage that it's just you're getting older right so we've said this a couple of times before it's this yeah. belief that my body's breaking down oh well i'm you know whatever age and the mother's saying that their sisters are saying that your best friends are saying it now your practitioners are saying it the people at yoga are saying it your people in your class everyone around you your colleagues are like oh well it's just part of getting older and it's you know, senior moment or my body I'm, I'm i'm everything's achy i'm exhausted i can't think straight and and your testing is normal so it's just what you have to live with and that's i don't we just don't believe that <laughs> yeah i totally agree with which is why you and i are having this conversation <laughs> all right so let's wrap it up with the last one um number six joy passion and purpose yeah. you can take all the supplements in the world and you can eat an incredibly healthy diet but if you don't on a regular basis, look for giggling, laughing, finding something that you're grateful for, looking at the world in a, um, in a way that is, um, again, gratitude and joy and passion and purpose. And if you're not finding that on a regular basis, that there's anything giving you that you need to seek it because what is, what is the, the drudge of getting through every day? if you're not having a goal, right? A passion that's driving you a, a purpose. And, and even if it's, I'm going to start learning how to crochet, or I'm going to start figuring, you know, my, my sister-in-law and I, one point, we did a virtual walk the Adirondack trail. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sounds so silly, but it was like this passion of, or purpose of who can I get further than her? And where am I on the Adirondack trail? And it's all virtual. And I'm looking around these like fake pictures of where I was and, you know, just different things that are going to give you that passion purpose, listening to podcasts like yours, listening to other podcasts that feed you and give you inspiration and make you giggle. Um, my husband and I went and he's looking for a car yesterday and it didn't work out. We sat there for a couple hours, guy didn't show up. And he said, mom, I'm so sorry. You know, that, you know, such a hard day. Just like, you know, I'm sorry that I'm like hard. There's a lot of hard things in the world, dude. This was not hard. We sat here in a car for a couple hours. So really kind of refocusing, like what is, what is joy? What is bad? What is not? And, and you're really kind of finding JPP. Uh, there's so much studies that show that even if someone is nutritionally optimized, they're sleeping well, if they don't have something happy, and they're uh, regularly in a in a in a rut, then that that then disease does come. So we can prevent and reduce disease through finding something that gives us JPP. And I I, I think that is so so true. And I really want to highlight this idea that it is always there. The joy is always there. The pleasure is always there. The things to be grateful for are always there. It's a matter of whether you make that choice to look for them and to seek them out as opposed to just waiting to see what falls in your lap and what, you know, what falls in front of you. And I've been talking a lot about this on my social media lately. You know, there's a lot that's hard in the world right now. There's a, there's a lot. It's just really, really hard. And in the past year and a half, there's a lot that's really, really hard and awful. And yet at the same time, there is so much good and there is so much joy to be found. And there is so much uh, gratitude to be experienced. And, you know, if you could see my hand, you see, I hold them side by side, they're yin and yang, and they coexist together always. And it's always that way. There will always be hard and there will always be rough rough times and rough things going on and there's always good. And it's all about where you choose to look and what you choose to focus on. And that takes training. 
So it's not something that you can wake up in the day and say, I'm going to be happy today. You have to train it. You have to train it just like you train a body to work out, just like you train a good diet, just like you train your kids to potty train. I mean, it is a, it is a habit that if you're not finding it, then go to the resources that are available. You can, there's free meditation apps that focus on finding gratitude or on reducing anxiety or increasing sleep or, you know, anger, whatever it might be. Um, There are tapping apps that go to YouTube, and do a tapping or, or a meditation through them, which is called emotional freedom, freedom technique to redirect the MRI, MRI show. It actually redirects the brain, these things. So immune systems are modulated with stress. So if, if we, if you think about the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, easy way to think about that is parasympathetic is peace. Sympathetic is stress. So if we're living in sympathetic nervous system, your body is stressed, therefore your immune system is stressed, therefore your chronic disease is higher. If you're living in a parasympathetic, peaceful system and you're purposely saying, I know I'm stressed, I need to at least pull some parasympathetic in, that's where these meditation, these yogas, these other things help. It's so true. And and that's really my, that's, you know, part of my mission. That's part of my philosophy. So come hang with me. For sure. For sure. This podcast is the key for that. Yeah. Hang with me here in the podcast. Hang with me on social media. That is what I try to teach day in and day out. Um, so that's actually a really great place for us to wrap up. Um, Lisa, thank you so much. I always learn a ton from you and I, I know that everyone else will today as well. So I thank you so much. I'm sure we'll have a part three someday. Um, <laughs> I love it. Stay tuned. And, uh, where can people find you if they want to learn a little bit more about what you do? So I have a private, uh, Instagram and website. It's lisavassal.com, B-A-S-I-L-E. And I also have my functional medicine practice, which is in Massachusetts. And that's the number four, betterhealthmedicine.com. Can you treat patients out of state? I know that, you know, the rules are changing. At this time, we cannot teach, treat them out of state, but if they come, they can initiate telehealth wise because of everything going on with the pandemic, but they do have to at some point come into the office once a year. So if they come in once a year in Massachusetts, then they can be seen for follow-up out of state? Correct. Ah, that's fantastic. Um, So the first visit doesn't have to be in state? At this time, it really needs to be, but because everything's still up in the air with COVID, where there's a telehealth leeway um, that that is gray, (laughs) to say the least. And changing, changing week to week, but yes, as, day to day, as, minute to minute, we're recording. What is this end of August? This is the, this is the status. Um, who knows when this airs, it could all be different, but, um, but go to your website. If anyone's interested in learning more go to Lisa's website, um, follow her on Instagram. She posts so much good information. I'm always learning or getting a great smile and laugh. So, um, your social media is great. So thank you again, Lisa. I hope everyone enjoyed us. Um, I know I did and stay tuned and hope to see you back so much. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you loved today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.